Yeah, leadership. It's a one big topic and uh, it involves every one of us because you're either leading somebody or you're being led by somebody, but uh, it impacts us. And there's good leadership and there's bad leadership. Uh, so there's just a lot to be said in this area of leadership. I mean, if you go to the bookstore, there's more books on leadership than pretty much any other topic uh, because you can never get your hands around it. There's always something to learn. It impacts us. Uh, and uh, I want to continue uh, talking about leadership today. Uh, but before I do so, I have uh, two other announcements that I, uh, that I want to make. Uh, firstly, in terms of uh, good leadership, I want to just uh, thank our worship leader, Brian Graves, who has been uh, faithfully serving as a wonderful worship leader for a long time. And now we're readjusting it because some of you had asked, why is Brian not up like every week like Brian always used to be? Uh, and it's a, so I thought, oh, I better explain this. So uh, uh, Brian is still leading worship for us, but uh, not in the every week overseeing the whole team capacity. So uh, thank you, Brian, uh, for doing what you do. We love you. You know, one of the leadership uh, skills and smarts is to get a balance between how much time you can invest into something and when is something giving your life and when isn't something, you know, when is it too much and it's draining. And then, of course, we all have to figure out finances and how does that all work in. And for Brian, you know, he's been balancing these things for a long time. Uh, he's in a phase of life where he's got three uh, teenagers. He's just been a tremendous giver uh, loves worship and, uh, you know, I've always felt like, Brian, can you just do a little bit more? And it's, Brian would say yes. And, you know, finally, it's like a little bit more. Uh, so trying to get that balance has been a, a good uh, conversation and saying, okay, wait, we, we, we need to reorganize and adjust. But anyway, just thanks so much, Brian. Uh, secondly, I want to uh, talk about uh, children's ministry before I get uh, going here. Uh, and I, just from a vision standpoint, well, I suppose from a leadership standpoint, you know, one of the things we want to do with children's ministry is we wanted to make our church's children's ministry absolutely fantastic. And so as we, we've been working with Debbie and we're saying, well, what does that look like and how do we do that? Uh, from a teaching standpoint, uh, we want to be able to articulate very clearly if you drop your kid off, you know, as a newborn, what would it be that we expect them to have learnt from a faith standpoint when they leave, uh, say, children's ministry and go into youth? Uh, also, we want to know what are the things that we want to celebrate? What are the mile markers? What are the, you know, accomplishments that we want uh, them to have? So we want to articulate that. And uh, thirdly, we want to create an environment that is just fantastic. Uh, meaning, if you go to, say, the library in town, we want the library to be like the standard of what we would expect for our kids. I mean, if you're parents and you take your kids to the Hopkinson Library or to Milford Library or Bellingham Library, I mean, these libraries really have a place where it's good to take your kids. It's a, it's a good standard. And I think as a church, we should at least have that be our standard of where we're starting from. I mean, thankfully, in one way, we're in an industrial building, so we don't stick our kids in 
a dirty basement downstairs with no light, no air conditioning, and say, well, okay, kids, you know, go for it while we as adults have a wonderful time. No, uh, we want to invest in our children's ministry and make it look incredible. And so to that end, if you haven't put your head into children's ministry, you you want to, because uh, Epson spent four days this week doing a mural uh, in the back there, which is just inviting for the kids and setting the tone. And we want to upgrade that facility to make it uh, just fantastic for our kids. To that extent, um, on Thursday morning, we ha- want to have a meeting for any of you that are able to help us out with some of the construction stuff. Like we want to put up shelves and cabinets and and uh, picture boards and that sort of thing. But we also want those of you that are creative because we want to be able to make uh, cutouts of Jesus, sheep, lambs, and uh, use these props for what we're teaching for the fall and being able to have them displayed in a way where each uh, Sunday you come in or each month you come in, it looks different uh, so that it's appealing for our kids, that kids want to enjoy uh, children's ministry and experience God and learn about God at their own level. Got it? So Thursday morning, if you're able to at 10 o'clock, speak to Debbie. We're going to have a meeting for any of those who can help physically or creatively. Five signs you are no longer an effective leader. Five signs you're no longer an effective leader. That's what I want to uh, talk about today. Uh, sort of a way of screening where you're at and Uh, where's your leadership at but uh, let's just talk about leadership more broadly Uh, if you're a boss it's pretty obvious that you're a leader because you've got people reporting to you at work Uh, doesn't mean to say that you're a good leader just because you have a lot of people reporting to you Uh, and I want you to be a good leader Uh, you might not have people that are being paid to report to you but you might be overseeing subcontractors volunteers, you might be organizing uh, sports teams, so you're a leader in that capacity. You might be a school teacher. You are leading uh, your kids uh, because you are influencing them. And so I want to just open up the definition of leadership from what would be, you know, the comes to mind when we first think of it, I'm the boss, I have employees reporting to me, I'm the leader, to a leader is somebody who influences. Now, we all influence somebody. So from that standpoint, I want to ask you know, yourself, who are you influencing? And is it a positive influence? That's the broad uh, aspect of leadership. But in terms of place, I want to talk about leadership in church. I want to talk about leadership at home, like are you a mom leading your kids, influencing your kids? Uh, I also want to talk about, from a church standpoint, being a disciple. Are you a good disciple? Meaning, God is asking all of us to be disciples, which means that we influence others. And how are we doing with that? So it's a pretty... Uh, broad category. So on the one hand, I could say five signs that you're no longer an effective leader. I could equally say five signs that you are no longer an effective disciple. So how are you doing with your discipleship? Let me just uh, pray before I read uh, some scriptures. And we just got a fantastic section on the Bible I want to look at today. 
<clears throat> Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'd empower me as I preach today. Let me speak and say your words and your truth. And I, I just pray that you would use what I'm saying to uh, build up and encourage your body, your church, your people. In your name, Jesus. Amen. The wonderfully practical book of James uh, tells us in 2 James 2.17, it says this. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. What the brother of Jesus is trying to say to us is this. Look, it's no good just like thinking about Jesus, praying to Jesus, studying, reading the Bible, and then just repeating and repeating and repeating. He says, somehow or other, your active faith in Jesus is going to produce things. I mean, if you really love the Lord, if the Lord is really active in your life, it's going to leak out of you uh, and you're going to do good deeds. Uh, you, you, cannot, you sort of can't help it. Because if you're excited about the Lord, you're going to talk about the Lord and therefore you're going to be talking about the good things of the Lord and that would be uh, encouraging people, giving hope to people, uh, building people up, and those would be your good deeds. So, James is saying, look, we need to be connected to the Lord, but that's not the end point. The end point is so that it'll flow out of us. Now, the story that I want to look at today in the Bible is the story of Priscilla. She is one remarkable leader uh, that we have from the Bible. And I want to talk about Priscilla and her husband, Aquila. So if you have a Bible or if you want to just uh, follow along, I want to read from the end of Romans. And uh, the last chapter of Romans, chapter 16, Paul's basically saying hi to everybody before he finishes his letter. And for many people, they would uh, skim through this section because it's like, I don't know these people. And Paul's saying hi to a whole bunch of people. I can hardly even pronounce their names. And you kind of move on to the next chapter of the, of the, or the next book of the Bible as you're doing your daily reading. But I want to focus on 16 verse 3, where the Apostle Paul says this. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. You know, this is one of those sections of the Bible where you're saying, there's got to be more. I mean, like, is there more about Priscilla and Aquila? I mean, I, re I really need to know a lot more about them. These are just like high-functioning people, and uh, we're just hungry for more information. What we do have uh, is how they first connected with the Apostle Paul. And I want to read that to you because it's really fascinating. Uh, in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers, 
just as he was. Okay, so we get the beginning of the story. Paul connects with these guys uh, very casually. And at the end of the story, Paul is just giving thanks for them being wonderful co-workers, being highly effective, uh, being church planters, and uh, just tremendous leaders. So I uh, want to look at this. Uh, the first thing, if we say five signs, you are no longer an effective leader, is that nobody is following you. Uh, if you have nobody that's following you, you could say that you're not an effective leader. And uh, you can do that in any sphere of life, uh, at church, uh, you know, at, uh, in your workplace. But uh, the big idea here is God wants us to be good leaders. He wants us to be influencing others. And we cannot just do life alone. We do it because we are doing it together. Now, what we see here in this verse in Romans 16:3 is Paul greets Priscilla this way, Priscilla and Aquila. He says, give greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In Philippians, uh, Paul uses a different way of describing uh, the church in Philippi. He says, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Uh, there is a sense where Paul is, is the, the apostle is saying, if you want to be an effective leader, you need to do it with others, and others need to become partners, co-workers, they're with you, they're part of your team. And here we just have an example that, uh, you know, when Paul turned around, he had people following him and doing what Paul was passionate about and spreading the good news like Paul was spreading the good news and starting churches like Paul was starting churches. Paul was a phenomenal leader, and so were Priscilla and Aquila. They were workers with Paul doing what Paul wanted them to do. You know, one of the uh, starting points uh, when I think of someone being influenced by us uh, as church and how did somebody belong to our church, uh, what does that process look like, uh, and asking ourselves, like, as a church, are we uh, creating people that are followers? Are we creating people that are saying this wants to be our home? And it's an interesting um, you know, uh, pr process for me, because on the one hand, you can be formal and say to people, look, you need to sign a membership uh, contract or letter, or you need to come to uh, membership classes, and, and if you do, you're a, a leader, and if you don't, uh, I mean, a member, and if you don't, well, you know, keep trying. But for me, the way I know that somebody is considering being, that this church is their home, that they consider themselves to be members here, it's the informal process for me that's most important. It's not like, did you sign a letter or did you attend a class? The most important thing for me is the language that you use. This is what happens. When people first come here, they say, oh, it's a nice church you have. Uh, and then I hear the language change a little bit to the vineyard. Oh, I like the vineyard. Uh, but eventually, the language changes to my church, our church. Now, as soon as somebody's talking to me and they say, well, you know, our church, I'm like, you're a member. This has now become your church. You're using the language, our, mine, you included. 
until before then, you're using the church, your church, that church, that vineyard, or that vineyard. If you want to belong, you are welcome. If you desire to have friends and have them be part of it, uh, you are welcome. We desire that you enjoy your experience at church and that you would tell your friends and that they would have a good experience when they come to church because we want you to influence uh, your friends for faith. Basically, you cannot, uh, if you, well, of the five signs, you are no longer an effective leader. The first one is, if no one is following you, you can't do it alone and call yourself a leader. You can't expect others to be inspired if you're not. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you need to be inspired by the things that you're leading or the things that you're passionate about. If you're not passionate about Jesus or you're not passionate about church, you'll never be a great influencer or leader bringing others or influencing others in church. You need to be inspired. Second point, if you're following along in your bullet and insert, uh, five signs you're no longer an effective leader or disciple. If you disqualify yourself because of some reason, if you disqualify yourself because of gender, in other words, you say, look, I'm a female, therefore I can't lead. Uh, now this, in today's terminology or in today's life, is really not, I don't think, such a big issue. I mean, nobody's saying, okay, if you're a woman, you can't lead. If anything, there's a lot of pressure to say we need a higher representation of women in leadership, in corporate life, in politics, in whatever facet of government uh, life there is. But the institution of the church has like lagged way behind in this area uh, in disqualifying women to lead. So in many churches, uh, if you're a woman, uh, you can do certain roles, but you can't do all the roles. Uh, so here at the Vineyard, there is no limitation. If you want my job and you want to be the lead pastor and you're the best qualified candidate to do that and you're a woman, you can do it. And we feel that way because of biblical authority, not because like that's what's happening out in the marketplace. Now, clearly, uh, I have to give some language to this because... While it's not a big issue in the marketplace, it is a big issue within the church. I mean, if you're a Catholic uh, in the Catholic denomination, you can only be a priest if you're a male. But, you know, as we look at Scripture and we analyze Scripture, and if you listen to Rod Klinger's very good uh, sermon a little while back on this, uh, we would look at Scripture and say, no, it does not exclude a woman particularly a, a verse like Galatians 3.28. There is no longer Jew nor Gentile, free nor slave. Now, that took a while to work out in America. Male and female. You know, the Apostle Paul was like ahead of his time. I mean, he's saying, don't discriminate against, you know, having slaves. And not having, you're equal. Don't discriminate between being a male and a female. You're equal. And so uh, here we see something really phenomenally remarkable in the scripture regarding women. Uh, when Paul first meets Aquila and Priscilla, as I just read in Acts chapter 1, 18 chapter 1, verse 1, the male is mentioned first. 
and Priscilla, the female, is sort of at the end of the sentence. When Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, there he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, the male, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Aquila. You know, just like at the end of the sentence, there she is. And now at the end, when we look at Romans, Paul has reversed this. He says, Priscilla and Aquila, meaning the woman first and then the male, which is against all social norms. But why is Paul doing this? Uh, He's instinctively recognizing that Priscilla is the leader. And her and her husband are doing church together, but Priscilla is the leader of the church. And so Paul is just states it the way it is. She's the leader and Aquila's helping her. That's why her name is first. So, you know, we, we do see a good biblical precedent for women to hold all positions in the church. Now, I don't want to go on and talk about that. What I do want to say is this. Do not exclude yourself when God doesn't exclude yourself. God looks at all of us and says, I am putting my talents into you. I'm giving you stuff. I am putting my desires in you. And we can't say, look, I'm too small. I'm too young. I'm too old. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm too this. I'm too that. If God is putting something in you, you need to take it and do whatever God is expecting you to do with it. Don't self-exclude yourself. That's what I'm saying. Don't disqualify yourself if God isn't. Point three, five signs you are no longer an effective leader slash disciple if you are no longer vested and inspired by what you are leading. I mean, you cannot be an effective leader if you're not passionate about it, if you're not inspired by it. Now, one of the things that happens with burnout, if you, uh, you know, just given to the point where you're burning out, and it happens a lot in church and it happens in work, uh, is that you start getting grumpy. And uh, instead of having you know, a lot of gratitude for others, you just are grouchy. And you've got to ask yourself, am I just tired? Uh, do I need a break? Do I need to be refreshed? Uh, or you start expecting things from people instead of being grateful for people. You know, you just become demanding. And you need to ask yourself, do I need to take a break? And honestly, for all of us, it's vital that we keep our finger on this pulse. We need to be refreshed and inspired by the Lord constantly. And, you know, it's summer. If you need to read a good book, if you need to step back from ministry, if you need to take a break, Uh, But it's not take a break to disappear. It's to take a break to be re-energized and refreshed and inspired by the Lord. Do you need to put a pause button on your busyness so that you can emphasize your relationship with the Lord and be uh, connected to the Lord and hear what the Lord wants to do in your life and to allow the Lord to give you a fresh vision and to allow the Lord to give you energy and to be excited about the things that he wants you to be doing and be excited about. Now, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done, just taking a break and putting the pause button on. But what happens if you, a mom, and your primary area of uh, leadership or influence is your newborn? 
uh, you know, those years from being a newborn till when your kid goes to school uh, are exhausting. And there are many moms which are like, I, I just want to quit. But I can't. I mean, I've got kids. Where am I going to go? What am I going to quit? It's like, and you are fatigued and you are exhausted and it is hard to stay refreshed and, and it's hard to stay like connected to the Lord. Uh, you just got to realize there are these phases in your life where it's like, okay, you've got to try and be the best mom you can, but you can't keep taking on other projects and other things. You've got to limit your focus. You've got to limit your energy. Uh, you, you, you need to take... A time where you get refreshed. Come to mops. Have somebody else look after your kid for a couple of hours while you connect with the Lord. But you have to be intentional about the fact that you have limited options uh, in a high demanding job or position that you find yourself in. When I uh, look at uh, stages here of people being inspired in church or being invested in church or wanting to grow in their commitment level uh, in church. It's interesting to me because the first stage of the process of becoming a leader in the church, and it works equally well at, at, in your workplace, is showing up. Yeah, You say, you know, I just like coming to church. I enjoy showing up. And uh, when you show up, uh, hopefully... Uh, you feel uplifted, you feel encouraged, you feel like you're connecting with the Lord, you feel like uh, God is doing something in your life, or helping you through a time in your life, or giving you vision in your life, or uh, connecting with where you're at, and you feel like the Lord is involved in that. And so you're sensing that in church. And uh, as you do that more, uh, you find, okay, I'm being challenged, I'm being inspired, and uh, you want uh, to do more in church. But it's like the verse I read from James. We need to connect with the Lord, but then what happens is we feel this pressure, this burden, this privilege, this delight in saying, but I want to serve the Lord. I don't want to just receive and receive like a balloon that's going to pop. I, I feel like I've got to have a release valve. I've got to be able to uh, help others, serve others. And in doing that, that becomes super rewarding, refreshing, and enjoyable. So, uh, finally, we say, and this sort of all comes together, we say, I want to belong, I want to serve, I want to pray for the church, and I want to give my money, I want to tithe to the church. There's a sense of, I want to belong to this, and I want to be part of this, and I want to enjoy the process of what uh, church does. Now, if you look at somebody like Priscilla and Aquila, oh my gosh, you talk about going through these stages with, with Paul. Look at what they did. Uh, it says here in Romans 16:5, also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. There was some part of this process, which we don't know all the details of, where these folks originally started hanging out with Paul in Corinth. Next minute, Paul is taking a trip down to you know, Ephesus, and they join him just to kind of see what Paul's doing. And before you know it, they're starting a, light, a home church in Ephesus. And so they're running a church in Ephesus. And then when we get the final greeting in Rome uh, to the Romans, we realize that they're running a home church in Rome. I mean, here are a couple which have been 
incredibly vested in the church. Uh, they are inspired, they are vested, and uh, they want to do whatever they can for the church. Not only that, I mean, you know, Paul said in the end of Romans that they were willing to die for Paul. Man, when you're willing to die for somebody, you are vested. I mean, you are really in, uh, into whatever it is that you're doing. And for many people, they would be that way for work. I mean, they just work incredible amount of hours. Not because people, you know, it's not external pressure, it's internal. You just want to do it. So it is great to be vested. It is great to be internally motivated. But let's look at this fourth sign. Five signs, you're no longer an effective leader or disciple. If you're always finding excuses of why not. You've always got an excuse of why not to get involved, of why not to lead, or why not to do more. You're full of excuses. You know, you'll say, classic for church. You know, I can't lead yet because I need a little bit more knowledge. I, need to, I don't really know the Bible that well. I, I, I need to study some more. I've got bad news for you. If that's your excuse, you will never know the Bible well enough. I mean, it is inexhaustible. You can go to a seminary. You can read all the books in the world. You will still just be scratching the surface. So at some point, you have to say, okay, I feel inadequate, but I know enough that I can at least lead something. I can share what I do know. And then what happens is quite remarkable. Your growth then starts. You start learning exponentially. I mean, I see this in teachers in children's ministry. They go in and say, well, I don't know if I can really teach in children's ministry. I'm still you know, uncomfortable with all the Bible knowledge that I have or don't have. And they start teaching in children's ministry and they just grow like incredibly in their Bible knowledge and in their thinking. Another excuse people have is, you know, I, I just need a, a, a little bit more money. I mean, I just can't afford it right now. And you see this in all sorts of uh, facets of life. But in church life, you know, I'll often ask people like, okay, is this part of your church? Is this your home? Uh, are you willing to tithe here? And some will say, well, not just yet, because I just need a little bit more money. I just need to get my debt paid off. Okay, like you got debt from school, you got debt in your car, you got debt in your mortgage. You'll never get it all paid off. So you're saying like when you're 90, then maybe you'll tithe. Or you can have a totally different uh, attitude and say, I need help getting my debt paid off. I think I need God on my side. I need to do the things that God has asked me to do. I need to, you know, tithe and live a biblical lifestyle and have my finances uh, empowered by the Lord. But if you use the excuse, I don't need, you know, I need a little bit more money or I need a little bit more knowledge. Or how about this one? I need to be a little bit more settled. This one comes up fairly uh, regularly. Or I first need to take, uh, I need my kids not to take up all my time or money. I need to get my kids sorted. Look, if you need to be more settled or you need more time for your kids, uh, I've got bad news for you. You'll never get invested. You've got to somehow do the dance of figuring out, okay, I've got to take care of my kids, but I also want to uh, be used by the Lord and be uh, serving and be a leader or a good disciple. When you look at this story with uh, Priscilla and Aquila, it's incredible. I mean, we get the details here in Acts 18 and talk about people on the move. I mean, it says here, 
he became acquaintance with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy. Okay, wait, Pontus is in the Black Sea in the northern part of Turkey. So somehow he is born there, he ends up in Italy. I mean, this is before, you know, jet travel. He ends up in Italy, and now he's down here in Corinth, in the bottom of uh, um, Greece, with the Apostle Paul, and then he heads over to, you know, Ephesus, Turkey, and then he heads over down here to, to back to Rome. All this time, they are connecting with the Lord, starting churches, running churches, leading churches. We don't hear much about their kids and their family. I mean, I wish we had more details. But what we do realize is they weren't making the excuse of, I need to be more settled. Uh, before I can be more involved. No, they were able to overcome the excuses or the objections or the problems. Lastly, the fifth sign that you are no longer an effective leader or an effective disciple is that your vision has become fuzzy. You're not like 100% clear what it is that you're leading or why it is that you're leading it. You know, you might be in a team project at work and you're just like, I don't really understand what, you know, I'm, I'm programming stuff and I know it's part of a bigger software thing and somehow other that goes into that thing and somehow other that'll change the world, but I'm not quite sure, like, what it is that we're actually doing. And, you know, if your vision becomes fuzzy, you, your motivation falls away. Now, on the other hand, uh, you know, if you've rubbed shoulders, say, with Denoid, it just takes a few minutes from Denoid, and he's like, man, I'm working on this thing. This thing's going to change the world. This thing is so exciting. I mean, talk about vision. I mean, in two minutes, it's like, okay, I just plugged my fingers into the outlet socket. I mean, Denoid told me, tell me what it is that you're doing. And then it's like, no, explain it to me in English, what it is that you're doing. And he tries that, and it's like, okay, I don't know what the heck you're doing, but you're excited about what you're doing. Uh, his vision is not fuzzy. I mean, it's like, okay, he's... He, and for many of you, that's the way you are. It's an awesome thing. And it's awesome to be around people that are so motivated by what they're doing. Whether it's, you know, you're a fanatical runner like Mary Ellen or, you know, Henning. And, you, you, you know, when you hang around them, they just exude the excitement about that. Or John and Andrea who do all sorts of crazy things like physical challenges and weightlifting and awesome things that they do. I mean, when you hang around them, it's like, that sounds like fun. I mean, this is, you know, people are like focused to have great vision. From a church standpoint, when we think about what it is when you're serving a church, if you're making coffee, you're greeting people, in this, you know, when they come in, you're not just making coffee. You're not like greeting people. You know, if you help out uh, fixing stuff around the church, like Rich has helped us out, you know, for months, uh, you're not just fixing things and painting things. Bob Fantini's been helping us out a lot. You're not just doing little things. You're part of the vision. You're making a difference that when people come in, when the kids come in, people can be impacted by the Lord. The message and the vision for the church is that we would experience God and that others, our friends, would experience God when they come here too. Uh, and we all part of doing that. So when we're serving coffee, no, it's the vision of the church that we're plugging into, we're connecting with. And it a, becomes a great opportunity. You know, one of the biggest areas in the church to serve in is children's ministry. I mean, we need a lot of children's ministry teachers and helpers, and that whole ministry is an 
unbelievably wonderful opportunity to grow spiritually, to serve in a way that makes a huge difference. Uh, but there's all sorts of areas in the, in the church. But I mean, basically, the vision of the church is to make disciples. I mean, I want you to be a great disciple, a lover of Jesus, and I want you to make disciples of your friends and influence your friends with the love of Jesus. I think Jesus is just tremendously good news all the way around. I want to just finish this by saying, to be a great leader, you need to know where you're at. You need to figure out, okay, what is the area that I need to work at? And I do want to say that it is always in season to be pressing into Jesus, to be asking Jesus for more, to be expecting God to be active in your life, and to do whatever it takes, to do whatever it takes, to experience God's love for you afresh, and to experience God's working in and around your life, to be looking for it, and then to be acting on it. And it is such a joy when you can act on what it is that the Lord is doing. He's wired us that way, and it brings us tremendous satisfaction. So uh, I want to have the worship team come on up as we go into worship, and uh, then I'll explain what I want to do after worship with some ministry uh, time that I want to do. But, you know, just as we're going into worship, assess where you're at. The starting point is, do I know Jesus? And if not, ask Jesus to be real, to make himself known to you. On the other hand, you might have been a follower for the Lord, with, of the Lord for a long time, but your battery is just flat. Get your finger on it. Like, why is it flat? What's caused it? Was it a hurt, a heartache? It, it just become monotonous and bored? But figure it out and re-engage with the Lord and press into Him. And as we go into worship now, focus on the Lord. Allow the Lord to speak to you. Why don't you stand and, and let's worship. <laughs> 